Our lesson today was Jacob 1 and 2, chapters 1 and 2. Occasionally, when I teach a lesson, it seems like things that happen or things I'm watching or conversations I have all of a sudden the day before or two days before as I look and see what the lesson is and I start to prepare for it, I realize that the Lord has kind of been giving me information for the lesson for weeks. And that's how this lesson was. Um, our principal at our high school wrote and told us teachers that the stake president and the bishops had written and asked that we really nail this lesson, that we really do a great job. They said they were seeing a lot of things, um, a lot of kids come to them, not sure what the line was with the law of chastity and things that they were coming and talking to them about. They asked us to be very straightforward with the youth. Um, the interesting thing is, as I read Jacob 1 and 2, and actually we're kind of doing this as a two-part, so we're doing Jacob 1 through 4. <clears throat> um, as Jacob starts and talks about things that he sees that are concerning him, he talks about this weight that he fills, and the Lord says to him, get up to the temple so I can talk to you and tell you what you need to talk to them about, and he does that. And I just felt such a kinship with Jacob, because that's totally how I felt. I just thought, oh my gosh, I can't mess this up. And he talks about the need to be very plain, the Spirit telling him to be very plain. And um, he says to the people, um, I know you've come to hear the pleasing word of God, especially those who haven't sinned. And so one of the things that I did is I got to the temple and I wrote my class on the prayer roll and I fasted. And um, I listened to a lot of talks. I read these and I, then this morning as I left, I just prayed and just said, bring to mind, Heavenly Father, every class could be different. What one class needs could be different than what another class needs. And it was so interesting. Um, my first period class, a girl shared a scripture, which was the scripture of Joseph um, and how it says from a very early age, he felt that the adversary was aware he would be an annoyer and a disturber. And um, that, I felt like, just jumped us right into how we could compare that to Moroni. Moroni, it says in the scripture of Moroni, even the jaws of hell shake for his good. And I talked about, I shared a story of um, one of our kids when they were very little. We were doing scripture study, and he kept saying to me, um, we moved 13 times as a family and he kept saying to me, I need you to explain this to me so that I can teach it. And finally I asked him what was going on and I did not know, but he was having scripture study at recess. We were probably the only LDS people. He was probably the only LDS kid beside his siblings in the school and he was having scripture study at recess and then I said, so you have to understand, I have a real love for that son. He's a great kid. And then I explained when 
he was 12, we left to go to the store and I had the strongest impression to come back home. And I came in and it was, he jumped up from the computer. It was obvious he had been doing something and we found porn. And I said, you have to understand at that point in time, um, they did not have groups for youth at that time. It was just unheard of. It was years and years ago. And I said, so thus began a process of my son and I going to talk with the bishop and work through this. And I said, I remember at one point in time, just watching the light slowly go out in my son's eyes. And I said, I remember being very inspired and saying to him, who is the best person you know? And he said, his little brother. And I said, okay, he is a great kid. And I said, he's such a great kid. Do you think that Satan says, I'm just going to leave him alone. He's such an awesome kid. I'm just not going to even try. And he kind of sat there and looked at me and said, no. And I said, what do you think Satan thinks? And he says, he said, I'm going to work on him twice as hard. And I said, that's exactly right. And then I said to the kids, I want you to understand that pornography is a plague of this day. But you need to understand why Satan is working so hard on you. It is because he has a full awareness of who you are and that you were saved for this very day. And I said, I don't know that my son will ever be free of that, but I know he fights, and I know he is such an awesome husband and such an awesome father, and I'm so proud of who he is, and I still think he's a rock star, um, and I'm just so in awe of his knowledge of the gospel and his striving to do what he's supposed to do. So that class, that seemed to be where it went, and then um, after we outline chapter 2 and, and Jacob tells them that it's this grievous sin um, and they seek to justify their behavior by explaining that David and Solomon had concubines and wives, I said, you know, it's interesting that he starts with the sin of pride. And I said, why is pride so dangerous? And they said, because it puffs you up and you think you don't need to listen. I said, that's exactly right. And because of their pride... They think they don't need to listen. And not only that, they start to justify using the scriptures, their immorality. They're not having multiple wives and concubines. They're just justifying their immorality from David and Solomon who were commanded to do that, even though the Lord <laughs> does chastise them for having too many, taking ones that weren't approved by the Lord. But one of the things that was an aha moment for me is as we did come follow me as a family, my husband said, the Jews looked beyond the mark. They searched for greater treasures of knowledge. They were searching for some aha that made them smarter or wiser. And he said it probably was in searching and looking beyond the mark that they looked and found this thing about David and Solomon that justified their immorality. And I'd never thought of that, but I thought that was a pretty awesome insight. Um, in our second, in my second class, so we kind of had to pause there. Once we got, um, we used um, the strength of the youth, the paragraph that 
really details, never do anything that could lead to sexual transgression. So I printed that out and I had them underline what they really loved or what they didn't understand or what jumped out at them. And then I had them share in their group with each other and either ask questions or say why they liked what it said or say what they thought. And then each group picked one of those things and we talked about it as a class. That is as far as we got. <laughs> so part B will be continuing that discussion, but also looking for the blessings that we are promised if we live the law. And um, then they are to write a letter to their future children counseling them um, on the strength of the youth and the law of chastity and I'm excited to get to that so second period it was interesting um, the conversation they shared a lot of spiritual experiences that they had had um, we start with how have you seen the hand of God in your life and they were just sharing such incredible experiences I love that and I've told them I will not ever stop them or cut that short because I think it's amazing to hear them witness to each other how they've seen God's hand in their life and I love that well um as we were talking, we jumped right in after that to Jacob. And as we were talking, I said to them, why do you think the Lord gives us this law of chastity? Why do you think it's such a big deal? And we read in 31 where it talks about the sorrow. I have seen the sorrow and heard the mourning of the daughters. And we talked about how it leads to just such sorrow. And so then I shared with them, we had gone to dinner with some friends who are our age but um had gotten had gotten into trouble as teens and gotten married um as teens and so that um they as we were talking um they were kind of giving us a rundown on where their kids are and what's going on and and the wife said I often wonder if it's because of me that they're struggling and that just broke my heart 30 years of marriage to look and think I think this must be because of this one mistake I made and then I shared that we have a son who um, went away from the church he was he's a return missionary and was active for a couple years and then just slowly started to fall away and he got married outside of the church and then um, just recently got married in the temple and I said to them, I had the opportunity to go sit down at dinner, just the two of us. And I said, it was such a great conversation and just such a neat thing. And I said, I asked him, do you ever get worried that you're going to make a mistake again or make choices that you shouldn't make? And he looked at me and said, Mom, every day I must pray five or six times and cry and ask for the Lord's forgiveness. And I said to them, do you understand that this is a boy who repented and is now married in the temple and making great choices? And I adore him and I adore his wife. And I said, that breaks my heart. And I said, both of those illustrate why the Lord gives us the law he gives us. That law is to the world. And those consequences, if you break that law, are consequences to everyone, not just the LDS church. 
And the miracle of being a member of the church, the blessing and the gift of being a member of the church is we know those laws. So we are spared if we follow those laws from that heartache and from that sorrow. And I just said so many people when they join the church or when things happen will say, I so wish I had known that before. It would have spared me such heartache. And so we talked about that the gift of these laws is that it spares us heartache, that the Lord is trying to lead us um, to the best way to have joy and happiness in our life. But again, um, our lesson ended <laughs> right on the strength of the youth paragraph. So that's where it will pick up next time in that class. And then our last class um, the one difference um, in those classes, I didn't share either story with them. I shared the first time that I got asked out on a date and shared what that was like. <laughs> um, and just said, I want you to tell me how this ties in um, because it was quite, uh, quite an interesting thing. And I said, I didn't realize that I had in me those goals and desires until this boy came who obviously wanted something more than just a date. And all of a sudden, I knew that I deserved more, that I wanted someone to like me, not because of the way I looked, not because that I would kiss them, but I wanted someone to like me because they liked who I was. They liked my personality. And so that's kind of where that class went, which was so interesting because I kept thinking, wow, that was more lighthearted in that class. And we ended with the progression of dating. What is the progression? And they talked about, well, first it's a glance, um, deciding you maybe think someone's cute. So then you kind of try to be where they are. And then finally you work up the nerve to talk to them. And then maybe you text them and then you hang out. And then you ask them out and then you go on several dates and then you hold their hand and then eventually you kiss them. And I said, and then what next? And they said, nothing next. That's the line. So that was the last thing we talked about in that class. And um, I am really excited to go do part two. And in that class, definitely part two will be, okay, so kissing, what, how much, what does that look like, and discussions like that. But in all three classes, it will go to what are the blessings if we live the law of chastity. So I will give you the part B next time.